Welcome to Silhouette, a podcast in the YDN. It's no secret that Yale is full of interesting people, and interesting people make for some interesting conversations. Join us each week as we sit down with students, faculty, alumni, and more for one-on-one interviews and discussions, illuminating each person's story to see beyond just their silhouette. Today's guest is Naho Abe, a first-year student who gained fame on the anonymous messaging forum Fizz. When a user asked, a girl in my class cooks Japanese food every week for her friends. How do I get invited? My name is Eli Sung, and I'll be one of your hosts today, alongside our wonderful producer, Joanne Lee. And without further ado, let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Silhouette. Um, my name is Joanne. I am a producer for today's episode. Today, we're going to be interviewing Naho, the Japanese fizz girl. And on mic today, we also have Eli. Hi, my name is Eli. I'm a lead producer for Silhouette. Okay. So, Naho. I, <laughs> I feel like for context, I should also say we're roommates. So that's how we know each other. I also helped write the YDN article about her um, and her fizz fame. But today, I wanted to focus more on your own personal background, aside from, you know, the fist stuff. Uh, so why don't you just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Naho. I'm a freshman in Solomon. So I'm from Japan, but not really because I went to high school in Mexico. But both my parents are Japanese. And yeah, that's about it. Yeah. So you've told me before that you moved a lot as a kid. Uh, so how do you think that affected your upbringing in any way? Okay, so yeah, I've lived in a lot of countries. I was born in Japan, but then when I was four, I moved to Brazil because of my dad's job. And I was in Brazil for like five years. And then I moved to Argentina for one year and then to Florida for two years and then back in Japan for like four years and then Mexico for my high school. And just being away from Japan made me like Japanese food even more because I kind of took it as something rare, you know, something that I cannot really eat every single day. So I always remember being super excited to go back to Japan every summer from Brazil or Argentina or the U.S. or Mexico. And I would always have a long list of foods that I wanted to eat. And in general, living in a lot of countries have made me hopefully more open-minded and hopefully more tolerant of a lot of different things, whether it be cultures or beliefs or peoples. Cool. Awesome. Um, so you mentioned in the YDN article that you believe food is a great way to make people happy. So why do you think that is? Well, I personally think that just because I, I get happy when I eat food, <laughs> it's more of how I feel when I eat food. And I hope that that feeling that I like that happiness that I feel when I eat food is something that is shared by others as well. And I just believe that because food is something, you know, prepared food is something that takes time to make. And it shows that not only you're willing to feed that person, but that you're willing to take time to do something for them. And I think that's really meaningful. So, yeah. Awesome. So you are an international student. You've mentioned that. Why don't you talk more about being a college student in America? Ooh, okay. <laughs> a lot of unique experiences. <laughs> it has been very fun. I'm very thankful for my friends because they're so open-minded. They just let me do anything. Um, <laughs> the one episode that immediately comes up to my mind <laughs> is that I 
I'm new to this culture of saying bless you when someone sneezes. <laughs> and I thought that, you know, it, it felt natural that if you say bless you when someone sneezes, it's natural for you to say bless you when someone has a hiccup. Like, so I was saying bless you like 18 times in a row because someone was having a hiccup, like a bunch of hiccups. Turns out that's not what I'm supposed to do. So that was like, that's like very representative of my experience so far as a college student in the US. It's just <laughs> just a lot of embarrassing little things I've done, but I'm very grateful because my friends are obviously, you know, they, they laugh with me, maybe sometimes at me, but they're very tolerant of that. So super grateful. And also I love, love, love living with college, like other college students. It is so fun. I remember in high school, you know, I, I was just go back home. I'm an only child. So do homework alone. And if I have to stay up late, stay up in my room alone, just being miserable. But at college, you can be miserable with everyone else in your class. And that is an experience. <laughs> being stuck at Bass until 2am or being in the Acorn since I'm from Silliman at a ridiculously late time trying to write my essay is so fun. And that has been the highlight of my college life so far. Okay, yeah, because you... You've told me you are in DS and DS focuses a lot on Western texts and stuff. So, so what's, what's that been like? Okay. At first, I was a bit dismissive. I thought a bunch of old guys wrote these texts. Um, maybe I won't like it. If I don't like it, let me drop this. And I was seriously considering dropping the, um, DS. But then I just got so into each text. I was like, holy cow, what this guy's saying is insane. It's wild. I don't agree with it, but I want to read more of it. So I just, I guess I've just stuck with it so far. But there has been at least a dozen times throughout my two, two and a half months at Yale where I went, I'm quitting DS. I am over. This will be my last DS essay that I write. And then next week I find myself writing another essay with my friends staying up very late on Thursday nights, reading each other's essays. So it feels like once I'm into it, I cannot get out of it. I'm obsessed. Uh, where did you go to high school again? I went to high school in Mexico. I went to like an American high school in Mexico City. Yeah. How is going to Yale so far compared to high school? Okay, so I love my high school, obviously, but in my high school, it was a party school, so not everyone studied or most people did not study that much. Like academics wasn't the main focus of school life, but here I feel like it is. And that's such, and it's such a blessing to be in such a place like Yale because I get to be around because everyone who's just as academically focused as I am, and I'm so happy about it. Oh, and my high school, I think there were about 180 people in each grade, but here it's obviously a lot bigger than that, almost about like 10 times bigger than that. So it can feel isolating sometimes because it's so big and you feel like you don't really know anyone. So that has been a slight challenge for me. But then, you know, Joanne, like going back to my room, it's really nice because my suite is somewhere that I know I'm like solid. You know, I know that there'll be people that don't know if I go there. So even though I have faced some challenges, it's been going pretty well. So I feel like just from what you've been saying, being connected to your Japanese culture um, is very important to you. Um, aside from cooking and food, uh, what are some other ways that you've been able to connect to that part of yourself here at Yale? Definitely reading. 
Yale has quite a few Japanese books, and you can also request books from Yale Library. So I've been doing a lot of that. I think I read about two to three Japanese books per week. I do it for fun. To be honest, I sometimes do it during DS lectures. <laughs> When I don't understand the lectures, I just start reading Japanese books. And that's really great because sometimes there are expressions that you can't, you know, there are words that I can't express or feelings that I can't really express in English. And whenever that happens, I like to rely on my Japanese skills and thinking in Japanese. So it helps me to stay connected to the language of Japanese and to just, you know, really like continue reading Japanese books so that I don't forget it. And what I've also found You know, it's a great way to connect with my culture. It's just joining JASU. I'm part of JASU, the Japanese American Student Union.、Um, there are a bunch of other Japanese kids there. It is so fun. We always have our little board meeting on Friday evenings in Brownford, in the Brownford dining hall. And I love that time so much because we're all, you know, complaining about <laughs> not getting to eat something that we want, not getting to eat the, not getting to eat like the Japanese rice that we like.、Um, so that's like a moment that I get to connect with my culture. To go back to like the fizz incident, <laughs> like what was your reaction when you first saw that? I was so shocked. I was like, no way people are actually liking this post because the image that I had of fizz is that it's a bit scary, you know, it's anonymous, first of all. So I felt like People more open to critic, like to criticizing others. Um, and that was the general vibe that I had of Fizz. But when I saw people liking it and saying really nice things about the post and what I cook and, you know, me as a person, it made me so happy. And not only that, but the fact that people wanted to try out my foods, that made me even happier. Um, so yeah, I was just ecstatic, but also really shocked. It was so surprising. Yeah. Um, I, I have a story about、Ooh. the fizz stuff.、Um, there was one night you were like up at three in the morning making pancakes in the、yep. kitchen. And then you texted me and then you were like, Joanne, do you want some pancakes? And I was like, sure, why not? So I came and then I made a fizz post. Like、yeah. I took a picture of you and then I posted it on fizz. And then Josu, I think, Like, use that picture、oh, on like、yeah. an advertisement. And it was like, I took that picture. <laughs> She made pancakes for me. Like, so I just I thought that was cool. Oh, yeah. The advertisement for the takoyaki night, right? They put t h e face on the takoyaki. Yes, I know. Okay, going back to the YDN article, because that, for me at least, was like a very coincidental thing, because I just happened to look at the email and then I saw that they were writing about you. And I was like, oh, I know her. <laughs>、um, do you think there's anything from the article that you wish, I guess, like got included or that you wanted to talk about more that you can talk about here if you wanted? Oh,、um, okay. If you want to eat my food, feel free to email me. I will let you know personally the next time that I cook and I will send you an email saying, I am cooking right now so that you can come and eat. That is like one thing that I wanted included. That's about it. The article was so good. Thank you so much, Joanne. Oh, Best roommate ever. Oh. Do you already have like an email list building up people? Yes, actually. I have about like 15 people on the list who I let them know every time I cook. So that's pretty cool. I did not know that you had a list because <laughs> it started with just our friends and、yeah. then someone posted. And those are people that like reached out. Uh huh. They DM'd me on Fizz. I was like, heck yeah. So since you like grew up in. So many different places. Do you feel like any of those places influence how you cook, what you cook? So, what I cook mostly just comes straight from my mom. 
So the different countries that I've lived in, they have not influenced the way I cook because the reason that I, you know, cook so much Japanese food is that I miss Japan. And when I'm abroad, you know, and I miss Japan, I obviously cook Japanese foods and I don't really include other cultures into it just because I want like purely Japanese foods. But living in a lot of different countries have definitely affected who I am as a person. In Japan, I guess this could be considered a struggle, but at the same time, I see it more as a strength. But in Japan, I'm considered to be <laughs> pretty weird, I guess, in some ways. Um, because Japanese people, they tend to be quiet. They tend to, I guess, it's what it's called, like, read the room. But in a really intense manner, like, you know, you really have to respect elders, which I do respect the elders. But I also do speak my own opinions. And I do like talking in class. That's why I'm in DS. But that was not the case in the school that I went to in Japan. You know, no one raises their hand when the teacher asks questions. And if you did raise your hand, you were that weird kid. And living in Brazil, for example, people in Brazil in general are much more friendly to children than in Japan. So I kind of got that friendliness, I guess, from living in countries like Brazil. And when I take that to Japan, it stands out. <laughs> But at the same time, I think it's those kind of qualities that have allowed me to reach out to so many new people. And be even, you know, so open to meeting new people, even through Fizz. So, yeah, I guess living abroad has affected me a lot, even, the, even though it had little effect on my cooking itself. What do you think the importance is, I guess, in like keeping in touch with like your roots? Okay, so, you know, as a Japanese, it's not the normal path to go to an American university, I guess. And most people, Jap most Japanese people, obviously, go to Japanese universities. And the reason that I wanted to go come here in the first place is that I wanted to see what it is like to learn Japanese history from an outsider's perspective, from outside Japan. I wanted to see how people perceive Japan. And I wanted to see what is going on with my country and how I can make it a better place. And In fact, I am here on a scholarship by the Yanai Tadashi Foundation. And the reason that they're giving me a scholarship to come here is so that I can learn here, then go back to Japan and somehow contribute to my country, whether it is working in an NGO in Japan or becoming a politician or just becoming an engineer or whatever, but just contribute to Japan. That is the goal of the scholarship, um, goal of the scholarship organization that sent me here. And it is my personal belief that if I want to make my country a better place, I should at least know a little bit about it, you know, and I should be grounded in it. And I should know how to use the Japanese language eloquently in a way that can persuade people if I have to persuade them in Japanese. And my parents, they definitely cannot pay for their full tuition. So The deal with them, the college application, I remember, is they told me, if you don't get the scholarship, you have to go to university in Japan. So it feels like such a privilege to have gotten the scholarship that I have right now and to be able to be here. And I want to make that meaningful. So even though I want to, you know, immerse myself in like the American culture, getting to know of other cultures, that is a great experience. Like I love doing that. And that's one of the reasons why I came here in the first place. But at the same time, I don't want to forget my ultimate goal, which is that someday I am going to go back to Japan and I am going to do something that's going to improve the country because Japan is still really conservative and it's hard for women to have a career in Japan, especially after they give birth to, you know, a child. So there are a lot of things that 
can be improved about Japan. So just being grounded in my Japanese culture helps me remind myself why I'm here in the first place. I know you've only been here for like a couple months and since your first year, but has there been any new like perspective that you've gained so far? I felt like DS has immensely changed my perspective. Before, I focused a lot、um, on a major in history, so I really like history, and I focused a lot on like Japanese ancient literature, Japanese ancient poems, philosophy, and so on. I did dismiss the Western canon, but now that I've read a lot of those Western canons, I realize how important they are to not just the US, not just the Western world, but to Japan as well. For example, the way some of these Ancient historians view history the way Tacitus views history, the way Plutarch views history, the way Herodotus or Thucydides. All these different historians they view history in their own unique way. And as someone that wants to learn Japanese history in the U.S., it has been eye-opening to learn of how many different ways I can approach history and how many different ways historians in the past have approached history. And I've been considering, you know, well, what do I want to do with that information that I gained and the new perspectives that I've gained? Part of my thing with Japanese history is that I'm interested in learning more about colonialism,、um, Japanese colonialism, Japanese imperialism, like in the late 19th century and up to like 1940s. And reading these ancient historians and the way that they view. And that they will deal with some historical inaccuracies or clashing historical perspectives, have opened up, I guess, new paths on how I view the history of my own country. This episode of Silhouette was produced by Eli Sung, Joanne Lee, Xavier Guaracha, Ruth Lee, and Sura Singaretti. With sound editing by Eli Sung and music by Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to our podcast editors Alyssa Michelle and Christian Zapley, and our guest Naho Abe. Thanks for listening, and tune in soon for our next episode.